Well, we're jumping into week number two of The Blessed Life. One of the uh, sediments I hear often in America, and I know you have heard it from your friends or you've felt it or said it, is all the church wants is our money. And one of the reasons why I think we hear that so often in America today is because pastors have told people what to do, but rarely have taught the scripture on why. And what I made a decision to do as a pastor is I'm not going to tell people what to do. I'm going to teach the Bible and let them wrestle it out with God. That's why we don't receive an offering in our church. We're not going to ask you for money. I never ask for money. I don't pass buckets into our church because I believe if you give and if you tithe, that's not a financial transaction between you and a church. It's an act of worship between you and your God. And so I put the ball in your court. And my job as the pastor is just to teach scripture and let you wrestle it out with God on whether or not you apply his word to your life. And so what I want to do today is I want to answer some questions about tithing that a lot of people have because many people have been told by by pastors, you need to tithe, but very few people really understand what the Bible has to say about it. And so my job today is just teach you what the Bible says, and your job is to wrestle it out with the Holy Spirit afterwards and do what God puts on your heart. Uh, the title of my message is something that used to happen to me often in school. You know, you'd show up to school. Many of you have probably been in this place where you show up in class and the kid next to you looks at you and says, are you ready? And you look at him and say, ready, ready for what? And they say the test. And what do you say? What test? <laughs> you had no idea there was a test. That happened to me often in school. I didn't do too well there. Uh, but what many people don't realize is we take a test every single time we get paid. And many of us have no idea. And here's how the test works. When you get paid, whether you get paid once a month, once a week, uh, twice a month, whether you earn commissions uh, or you get paid you know, sporadically, however you get paid, you take a test every time you get paid. And here's the test. Who do you honor first when you get paid? Who do you thank first when you get paid? Who do you worship first when you get paid? And I'll tell you how you know. Where's the first transaction? Where is the first check that's written when you get paid? See, and here's the problem. Many people worship and thank Visa when they first get paid. And, and the problem is Visa doesn't have the power to bless your finances. See, I know people who thank the mortgage company first when they get paid. The problem is they don't have the power to bless. Some people thank the grocery store first. And see, this is a test we take every time we get paid. And let me show you this in Scripture. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now in the Hebrew, what that literally means is I do not change. That's what God is trying to communicate. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the same in the Old Testament. He's the same in the New Testament. The Lord does not change. And this is kind of funny. He says, so therefore you're not consumed. In other words, I haven't killed you yet. I mean, you're living in total disobedience, but because I do not change, because I am loving and merciful, I haven't consumed you yet. I haven't killed you yet. O sons of Jacob, verse 7, yet from the days your fathers have gone away from my ordinances. Now, I want you to remember that word ordinance because we're going to talk about that. And have not kept them. God says, return to me and I will return to you. That's the theme of the book of Malachi. You want to sum up the entire book of Malachi, that's what it means. Chapter 1 is return to God in our faith. Chapter 2 is return to God in our marriage and our family. Chapter 3 is return to God in our finances. And then chapter 4, God says, I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, uh, in what way shall we return? 
This is what God says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, how many of us would steal from God? See, he's saying, you have stolen from me. You have robbed me. And they say, in what way have we robbed you? Here's God's response. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And I'll show you throughout Scripture, that always represents the church, the place where God is worshipped. That there may be food in my house and try me or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God is pleading with the people here. This is not God being mean and and, and imposing and, and putting commands on them. God is pleasing, pleading. I want you to be a blessed people. I want people to to call you delightful because you are blessed and you are delightful. And God is saying, you're tying my hands. I'm pleading with you to get this. And he says, I do not change. And you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, I want to look at that word ordinance because what it literally means is a principle of ordinary behavior. That's what the word ordinance means, a principle of ordinary behavior. In other words, it is ordinary behavior for the people of God to thank him for their harvest. It is ordinary for behavior for children of God to thank him for their income and their finances and the blessing on their life. It's ordinary. It's ordinary for people of God to even recognize him during a recession and difficult time. Why? Because it's God that has the power to break that in your life. And so if you sum up chapter 3 of Malachi, it basically says, if I tithe, I'm blessed. If I don't tithe, I'm cursed. Blessing or curse? It's a pretty simple question. I mean, I feel like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man, but I think I know what I like. And that's the theme there. And let me explain this because God's not cursing you. See, this is a misunderstanding. A lot of people think, well, if I don't tithe, God's going to curse me. God does not curse people. It says you are cursed with a curse. You are voluntarily placing yourself under a curse. Now, what does this mean? When Adam and Eve sinned and failed, they brought a curse into this world. And so everything that is born into this world is born Cursed. When you were born, you were born cursed under sin. That's why we say yes to Jesus Christ. So he redeems us from the curse of sin so that we can be saved. When you are paid, when you earn income, your finances are born into this world system, which is cursed. It's not that God is cursing you. It's that it's born cursed. And so what the tithe does is it redeems the rest of our income from the curse of this world system. And tithe literally means 10th part. It's 10%. Tithing is not 6%. It's not 7%. It is a 10th part. And, and this is a, you know, this passage of scripture is a, is, a, is a huge struggle for a lot of pastors because, you know, it's easy to have this argument with God. God, this is Malachi. I mean, if you could have just held off 15 verses, this would have made it into the New Testament. 
I mean, just 15 verses. It would have made, you know, the job of teaching this principle a lot easier if you could have just held it out for 15 verses. And uh, Robert Morris, uh, you know, who wrote the book, The Blessed Life, I heard him talking to a group of pastors. He was really arguing this over with God, thinking, God, you know, we we seen this principle in our life. We desperately want our people to, to understand this principle for their sake. Because it's powerful for their sake. Why couldn't you hold it off? And, and God said to him, I put it exactly where I wanted it. Why? Number one, tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. How? Every time you get paid, are you going to believe that God's way works? When you get paid, are you going to believe in God's ordinances that they work in your life? It is a test. Are you going to believe that 90% of your income with God's blessing has the ability to to do more than 100% of your income without God's blessing? It is a test of your faith. When you're going through a difficult time, are you going to believe that God's word works? And here's the question. Why did God choose 10%? Now, I don't exactly know how he came up with the number 10. I understand what 10 represents in Scripture, but here's why I believe he came up with a percent, because it's the same for everybody. 10%, it's just a penny off of every dime. It's a penny off of every dime, whether you make $30,000 a year, $300,000 a year, or $3 million a year. It's the same for everybody. It's fair. Now, let me show you what 10 represents in Scripture, because 10 always, if you understand biblical numerology, the number 10 represents testing. Let me give you a test. In the Bible, how many plagues did God use to test the heart of Pharaoh? 10. How many commandments did God use to test the heart of Israel? 10. Now, you may not know the answer to these, but there's a theme here, so you'll get it. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? How many days was Daniel tested in the book of Daniel? How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? How many disciples were there? Twelve, I was testing you. It is a test. And so many times we come up with our own arguments to God, but God is testing our heart. And the other thing is, this is the only place in the Bible where you actually have permission to test God back. God says, test me in this. He actually gives you permission to test him here. God is pleading, do not live under a curse. There is so much more I want to get to you. Do in your life, do in your marriage, do in your children. There's so much more you could be receiving if you would just apply this principle of ordinary behavior and remove the curse. And I know a lot of people come to me and they say, well, I can't be cursed because I'm a Christian. So I can't be under a curse. Christ bore my curse on the cross. So I can't be cursed. Well, let me explain. Curse is simply a consequence of behavior. That's all a curse is. It is a consequence of behavior. And Christ bore the curse. So does that mean I can violate the principle of gravity and not suffer the curse of going splat? No, I mean, that's foolish to think. First Peter two says Christ bore all of our sin on the cross. Does that mean when you're born again, you no longer sin? See, see, people who say, well, I can't be cursed. You know, there are still consequences for our behavior. Now, you're not cursed by God, 
But there are consequences to our behavior. Here's another argument I get a lot as a pastor. People come to me and they say, well, that was Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. That was law. We're under grace. So tithing doesn't apply to us anymore. That, that's not for us because that was Old Testament law. Well, actually, I'll show you that tithing predates the law. It's an ordinary principle that traces all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So it, so it way predates the law. But, but let's just assume that logic for a moment. So what you're saying is if it was wrong under the law, it's now right under grace. Because under the law, it said thou shalt not murder. So thou shalt not murder, which was wrong under the law, is now okay as a believer because I'm under a grace. So I can murder. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Cody, you got a wallet on you? Let me see your wallet for a second. Thank you. Now, that's okay, because under the law, it said thou shalt not steal, but I'm not under the law anymore, and I'm under grace. I mean, does this make any sense at all? I can violate that because the law says one thing, but I'm under grace. Cody, I'm not going to keep your wallet. I'll I'll give it back to you. There's no money in there anyways. (laughs) I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Here's number two. Tithing is a test. Number two, tithing is biblical. See, the other thing I think people struggle with is is they think there's only one scripture in the Bible about tithing, and it's Malachi 3, and it's in the Old Testament, and they they have a way to reason it out. Tithing is all throughout the Bible. This is a principle of ordinary behavior all throughout scripture for God's people. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high. Now, if you study Hebrews 7, you realize that Melchizedek represents Christ, and Abraham, or the children of Abraham, represents us, and it's a spiritual transition from Old Testament. It's actually, when you study out Hebrews 7, it's pretty amazing because it says when you tithe on earth, humans take it out of the box, but in heaven, Christ himself receives it. And it's a direct correlation to this here. But it says, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth, a tithe of all the goods he had recovered. This is 500 years before the law. 500 years before the law. I mean, again, I said, go back to the Garden of Eden. What did God say in the Garden of Eden? You can eat any tree in this garden, but this tree, this tree is holy. It's set apart. Don't touch it. Cain and Abel. Many people always question, why did God receive Abel's gift, but did not receive Cain's? Because if you study what scripture says, Abel's gift was a tithe. Cain's gift was not a tithe. God received Abel and cursed Cain because Abel brought a tithe to God. You see this all throughout scripture. It's a principle of ordinary behavior. Genesis 28, 22. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. Again, referring to the church, the place where we worship God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This is 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27:30, one tenth or a tithe of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Deuteronomy 26, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground. That's the tithe. And I'll show you that. 
First of all, the product, which you shall bring from your land, the Lord your God has given you, and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Again, here's that place referring to the church. Then you shall, verse 13, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. I've removed it. It's yours. It's set apart. It's holy. I've removed it. I've brought it back to you. And I've also given to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. Basically, I didn't use the tithe when I was going through a difficult time. Nor have I removed any of it for unclean use. I've not spent any of it on sin. Nor have I given any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Now, verse 15 is a prayer that I would encourage every tither to pray when you tithe. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. All throughout scripture, this is an ordinance, a principle of ordinary behavior for God's people to put them first. It's all throughout scripture. Let me ask you today, if Jesus Christ himself said you should tithe. Not Old Testament, but if Jesus himself said you should tithe in the New Testament, would you do it? See, I know a lot of people here today that would still wrestle over that. They would, they, would, they would still struggle with that. Even if Jesus in the New Testament said you should tithe, people would still wrestle over that. Well, let me show you this in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 23, easy to remember. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now, this would have been a golden opportunity for Jesus to say, guess what, guys? That was Old Testament. This was New Testament. My dad and I used to be mean. We're nice now. You don't need to worry about tithing anymore. Just do these more important things. Been a great opportunity for him to do that. But what does he say? He says, you should tithe. Yes. And do not neglect the more important things either. See, Jesus did not cancel out tithing. He said, yes, you should tithe, but do the more important things also. Do mercy just because these Pharisees were so, so particular about having everything on the outside perfect and right that they would tithe off of their herb garden. They would take the little herbs and and set apart 10% of their little herbs and do everything right. And Jesus said, you're you're, you're forgetting the more important stuff about Christianity, justice and faith and and, and mercy. And you're you're tithing. He said, no, you should tithe. Yes, it's good to tithe. But do the more important things also. I mean, this is Jesus. If this was the only scripture in the Bible about tithing, I would still tithe. Why? Because the guy that hung on the cross told me I should do it. And this is a life principle, not a law. This is a ordinary principle of of, of just behavior for God's people. And then the last thing I want to say, number three, tithing is a blessing. Tithing's a test. Tithing's biblical. Tithing is a blessing. God's saying, listen, you're robbing me. You're voluntarily placing yourself under a curse. I desperately want to remove it for you. I want to see your life blessed. And I'm not saying you're going to win the lottery. God's not saying I'm going to make you rich. 
God is saying blessed. The word blessed in the Greek is makarios, which literally is translated happy. You will be happier. Your marriage will be blessed. Your family will be blessed. Your relationships. I can bless so many areas of your life if you would just remove the curse that you're voluntarily putting yourself under. Let me show you this in Second Chronicles 31, verse 4. In addition, this is King Hezekiah. He required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so that they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. What's going on is there, there's an incredible recession in the land. Hezekiah is trying to, trying to rebuild the land, trying to you know, bring the nation of Israel back because they, they've gone through just an unbelievable time of suffering. And so he's, he's slowly turning the nation back to God. And as he's studying the scriptures, he runs across this principle of tithing. And so he institutes a national decree of tithing for the entire nation so that God can begin to turn their nation around. He said, tithe so that, they, so that the priests and the Levites could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. He wanted the people, he wanted the priests to devote themselves fully and to not be distracted, but to seek God and study his word so that they can minister to the people. He wanted them devoted fully. Can I ask you a question today? Do you like the food you get at Coastline Church? And I'm not just talking about the Sunday preaching. I'm talking about the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the facilities, the playground. Do you like the food that you get at Coastline Church? Well, let me say somebody's paying for it. Somebody's paying so that people can devote themselves fully to the word of God, to to ministering the word of God. Somebody's paying for that. And if I can be bold, and, and I know this is going to offend some people, but, but let me just say it. Would anyone here go to a nice restaurant, eat a nice meal, and skip out on the bill? People do that every week here. And, and let me just throw out a disclaimer. If you're visiting our church, welcome's a great week to choose. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm talking to our family right now. You are a visitor. You are a guest. You are under no obligation at all. Let this service be our gift to you. But every once in a while, we have to address some of this stuff to the family for their sake. Because I'll be very honest with you right now. I have more people come to me every single week who thank me for these messages than anything else I preach. Yes, there's more people who get offended over these messages. I get that. I'm not naive. But there's more people every week who say thank you for these messages than who get offended because it's like a light bulb goes on and they see this principle activated in their life. So this, this, is, this is God pleading with us. And so this message isn't because our church is in it. We have some amazing tithers in this church. And this church is strong. It's healthy. So this isn't because we're in need and we're trying to, to do anything This is God pleading with you to get these principles for your sake, for your benefit. Because God has more for you than you're receiving right now. Look at verse 5. When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share, that's the tithe of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. 
The people had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep and goats and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in late spring and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people of Israel. Then Hezekiah gets a little concerned as any good leader would. Hezekiah is looking at all these piles of uh, the tithe and he he begins to wonder the people, are are they living in poverty? Are they giving everything to the temple? Are are they holding anything back for themselves? I mean, I don't want the people struggling. And, And he got a little concerned that they were giving too much because of the piles. And the priest responded to him and said, Hezekiah, you don't get it. If you want to see what piles look like, go look at the 90%. This is just the 10%. I mean, this is just the 10%, Hezekiah. As soon as the people began to do this, the recession broke in the land. God turned the nation around. They began to prosper. And Hezekiah is saying, listen, go look at the 90% if you really want to see what heaps and piles look like. It took four months for this offering. You know, as a pastor in the last 19 years of ministry, I've heard two testimonies in the church. And pretty much everybody falls into one category. You have the category of tithers. And they all pretty much share the same testimony. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. They don't tithe because they have to tithe. They tithe because they love God. And they all respond the same way. I'm blessed. And then I've heard another testimony from non-tithers for the last 19 years. And it's simply this. I can't afford to tithe. 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 I mean, you have to decide what category you want to fall into. But I'll tell you one thing. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because the math doesn't work. I had a young mom come to our Discover course uh, last year. And her husband was deployed in Afghanistan, a Marine. And he was lower ranking. They had three kids. And they were just struggling to get by. Every month, she said she had to borrow money from her family just to, just to, just to provide groceries for her kids. And she was wrestling over this. She goes, she goes, this is just, I just can't do this. I mean, this is just, and as a pastor, this is tough because I would love to look at somebody like this and say, you know what? God would understand. You can violate his word. He'll understand your situation. I'd love to be able to say that. But I know it'll put her in a position to miss out on something God could do for her if she would just take this test and take a step of faith. And so I challenged her with it. I said, listen, it's, it's up to you. I'm, I don't know if you do or don't do. It's between you and God. But I would challenge you to honor his word. Put God to the test. She came back to me three months later. She said, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? She said, we haven't gotten a raise. Our financial situation has not changed at all. But for the last three months, I haven't had to borrow money from my family. For the first time in a year. See, when she lived off of 100% of her income, she had to borrow money to get through the month. When she moved to living off of 90% of her income, she didn't have to borrow money. She couldn't figure it out. I'm telling you, the math never works. But you put God to the test. You put him to the test. Let me, let me just close with a, a quick illustration. Michael, Cody, and, and was it? Oh, Ron, Ron, would you come up real quick? Just stand over here on the side. Oh, I just want to close with this illustration just to, to illustrate kind of this principle. I, imagine I'm going on a trip and I'm going to be gone for about six months. And I love my wife. She's at home with bronchitis. So pray with her, uh, pray for her. But um, you know, I love my wife and I really want my wife taken care of. You know, I really want her blessed. 
Uh, and so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to give each one of you guys $10,000 a month. Uh, and all I'm asking you to do is give my wife a thousand dollars. That's it. You can keep the other 9,000. It's my money. You can do whatever you want with it. All I want you to do is, 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 is I'm giving you the money. Just give a thousand dollars to my wife. That, that's it. And so I leave and, and I'm gone for a few months and I call my wife and I just check in. How's everything going? How are the guys doing? And, and she says, man, it, it, you, know, it, you know, I said, how's Ron doing? She says, Ron's doing great. The first month, you know, I got $1,000 in the mail. The second month, I got $2,000 in the mail. That's very generous, Ron. Next month, got another $2,000. And wow, that's, that's great. I said, how's Michael doing? She said, Michael's doing great. Every month, there was $1,000. Every month. So how's Cody doing? She goes, well, we need to talk about Cody. <laughs> she goes, the first month, it was $400. And the last two months, I haven't heard from Cody. What do you think I'm going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop sending money to Cody. And I'm going to divide it between them two because I can trust them. I can trust them. You guys can sit down. I don't think we get how personal this is to God. Jesus said, I'm going away to be with my father. While I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. I mean, no, the bride of Christ is the church. Jesus said, I want you to take care of my wife while I'm gone. See, this is personal to him. Who has first place in your life? Now, would you close your eyes just for a moment? I'm just going to leave you with this thought. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me right now? And, and if some of you, for just a few moments, if you could just lay aside your emotions, because some of you are angry, some of you are offended. I get that. I, I know messages like this aren't easy. Whatever you do, it's between you and God. We don't know. We don't check. But what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now about this? If you really think about it, Jesus Christ was a tithe. What do I mean? What did God do for us? God gave his first and his best to do what? To redeem us from the curse of sin so that we could be saved. God tithed his son to redeem us. Some of you this morning need to accept that gift. Some of you today need to let Jesus Christ once and for all pay the price for your sin so that you could become part of God's family today. And let me tell you how this works. You don't do anything except say yes to the invitation. You can't work for it. You can't be a good person. You simply say yes to God's invitation. So today God is giving you an invitation. He's saying, listen, I'd love for you to be a part of my family. Jesus has paid the admission so that you could simply be a part of my family. And I'd love you to say yes to my invitation today. If that's you today, I'm going to say a very simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud or even stand up. You can pray in your heart. But if you need to join me in that prayer today of just saying yes to God, to be a part of his family, with every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand and say, I'd like to join you today. Can I pray with you? Just slip up your hand right now. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? The prayer is simple. The first part of the prayer, God's asking you a question. God's saying, will you accept the invitation to my family? Your response is yes. So would you just pray yes to him in your heart? The second part is you ask God a question. And I'll tell you up front, God's going to say yes to this question. And the question is simply, will you forgive me? So pray that to God. And then the last part of that prayer is, would you just say thank you? 
God, thank you. Thank you for giving all for me, giving your very best for me. You can look up for a quick moment. If you prayed that prayer today, I encourage you to do one more thing. On your connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you said yes to his invitation today, I would encourage you to fill that out. Drop it off as you leave. We would love to just give you the support, to, you know, the family support to live this out in your life. There's also books that say, now what, to get you started. And then our favorite thing to do is if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we have Bibles outside. We would love to give you a Bible. It's the most important book you'll ever read because it's living. It, it breathes life inside of you. And we would love to give you a Bible today. We'd be so humbled if you'd take one on your way out if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible. Thanks for letting me give a tough message today. I know it's, it's not fun to, to, to be challenged all the time, but just take it home and you wrestle it with God. You, you take the message, you take the scripture, you wrestle it out with the Holy Spirit. It's between you and him. It's an act of, you know, again, tithing is not a financial transaction. It's not between you and a church. It is an act of worship between you and your God. So you take it home and and you wrestle it out with him today. If you want to go deeper, there's books in the back called The Blessed Life. Very easy book to read, but it really takes you through this scripture in a very powerful, easy way to read. You can take one there at the back table. We'll have more next week. Stand with me as we close. Father, let us become people who live by principles of ordinary behavior in your word. Lord, and we realize that tithing is just a principle of ordinary behavior. It just simply means we put you first. And God, you have first in our life. We're not doing this, God, to get. We're not doing this to win a lottery, Lord. It's not about our selfish greed. It's just simply an act of saying you have first place in my life. I thank you first. I worship you first. I put you first in my life. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessing and your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll see you next week.